What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of 2021. Um, hopefully everybody is staying nice and warm because, oh my God, it's cold outside. Uh, it's colder in a, oh, uh, oh, uh, I can't say that. Something Does it have it. to do with, uh, uh I'll say. oh, uh, did you say well, diggers, w? uh, or maybe it was a well diggers at uh, a well diggers something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we we'll can't quit now. We can't say any of those things. Um, the no, thing I that I grew up hearing was, oh, man, see what words can you and can you not say to be inappropriate? Colder and a well digger in the Klondike. Well, I yeah. could, I could change, thing. I could change some of the the words around. Um, yeah. So what what I always heard growing up from older folks when it would be really cold like that, they would say that it was colder than a witch's. We'll change yeah. that word to breast in a brass yeah, brassiere. <laughs> yeah, and I actually don't know if the other word uh, would have uh, really been colder. Or not. It's colder than a than a well digger's buttocks and the Klondike. How's that one? That's a good one. Yeah, that that can work. Buttocks. <laughs> what would you do yeah. for a Klondike bar? So, uh, before we get off and rolling on this episode, uh, as we barrel into this polar vortex conversation, I uh, mm -hmm. wanted to go back and give a shout out to a couple of individuals out there on Patreon, some new people that have joined us out there. And so just first and foremost, a huge thank you to everybody who is a participant and a patron of the show on Patreon. That is awesome. We have Wes... Cloud Cartoons, which um, Cloud Cartoons, I cannot wait to see what they end up doing. They have been working on a children's, I don't know what it's going to be, if it's going to actually be like a children's book or if it's going to be just a little cartoon strip or whatever, but it does have to do with bees. And they've been following the show for the greater part of a year, maybe <laughs> a little bit longer. And every now and then we get some questions and stuff from them. And uh she goes through and uses it to make sure that her story is accurate because she says she absolutely does not want to have a repeat of the B movie. <laughs> no. Hell no. Or the children's book that I never mentioned to anybody after the fact uh, because it was so horrifically inaccurate. But hmm. yeah, so thank you again. Uh, thank you, Wes. Thank you, Clyde Cartoons. Thank you, Philip. We greatly appreciate all that you guys do to help support the show. Um, it really does mean a lot. So welcome aboard. And for everybody else, um, if you are a Patreon member, you can, you know, you can move those tiers around wherever you want to. So you've got three different tiers out there. You've got a $5, $10, and a $15 tier. $5 gets you the bonus episodes every single Thursday. The $10 tier gets you the deeper dive content, the behind the scenes content and all the other random things that we put out there. And then the $15 tier gets you the training and education videos and tutorials. And those other two tiers have had some delays in getting stuff out there. So 
feel free to to move your pledges around. You can move up a tier, you can move down a tier, you know, you can change that and manipulate that to whatever fits your schedule. So if you want to jump up to the $15 level, you have access to everything below that when you move up a level. So you can go in there, you can consume what's currently there. And then if you want to take a break for a few months and drop back down to the bonus episode only, you totally can do that. It's completely fine. You can even drop out and then come back in like it doesn't matter it will always be out there for everybody and we appreciate any support that we get so thank you thank you to everybody for that and for those of you who have no idea what the hell i'm talking about you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash hive jive and it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash hive jive i think <laughs> you selling any caps t-shirts tennis oh, shoes or pants my- God, I completely forgot. We do have brand new t-shirts, and I am so glad that you said that, really? Ken. And we probably should do that I in an advertisement mine. and not on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at that. And uh, if Ken and I do everything correctly, you will have already heard about it right when this episode started. Look at that, the magic of editing <laughs> and technology. Yeah. So yeah, definitely go out there and check out those new shirts that you may or may not have just heard about. Um, since how this is a static See, episode and, and we'll be here for did, a while, things do rotate in and out. One? Do I, we have I, a pink I, one I, made I, for Brett? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can't say nothing. Okay. So anyhow, um, but yeah, so there are different articles of things that we put out there, little different things related to the show, swag that you can go out there and get. We've had hats before. We've had shirts before. The designs change. We rotate through stuff. Um, Caps, hats, yeah, whichever. So, but yeah, go, you can check that out. That stuff is at our own website at the Hive Jive. So it's thehivejive.com forward slash store, or just go to thehivejive.com and uh, you will be able to, you know, click on the the store link and go down or, or even see it down just by scrolling down the page. Um, that is also a place where you can find our episodes in addition to your podcast app where you're listening to them now. So, But all of that is neither here nor there. It is above and beyond the whole point of today's show, which is, holy crap, it's cold outside. Um, or more appropriately, welcome to the polar vortex. <laughs> yeah, that worked. Okay. So and it's going to get colder. Well, I'm hoping that by this point we are done with That's it. That's true. And we can start coming back out of this. So here's the deal for, uh, you know, I can pretend to be a meteorologist just about as well as they can on TV because they're only right a part of the time anyway. So what happens is around this time of the year, the jet stream Mm -hmm. starts to dip and sag a little bit and it Mm -hmm. weakens slightly. When that happens, the winds in the northern hemisphere focused around the North Pole weaken. And when those Mm -hmm. winds weaken, all of that mass of Arctic frigid air, well, it's not Arctic, Northern Pole, Santa Claus, butt freezing off (laughs) frigid air. That's Arctic. That's Arctic. Not Antarctic. It's not Antarctic, yeah. Starts to droop and drift down. And, you know, this obviously can affect Alaska and it can affect Canada. But then if it droops down further it will actually start affecting the rest of the United States. And what just occurred is the jet stream, after it did that, then the jet stream shifted and dropped really far down, and it pulled what they're calling Mm -hmm. a polar vortex, this massive Arctic blast all the way down to the Gulf Coast. 
Now, for mm-hmm. those of you who are listening to this in the Northern Hemisphere, in the Northern States, and you're like, dude, well, like Jacob, for instance, he sends us pictures. Today's high, negative mm-hmm. 17. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, so they go through, when you are up there in a climate like that, these types of cold snaps can potentially affect your colony, but it is not going to have nearly the effect, especially if you did really good winter prep at the end of last year. It's not going to have nearly the effect that it's going to have on the colonies in the South. And the reason for that is, do you know why? Can you take a guess, Ken? Because they're not used to it. Right. And I mean, in some respects, (laughs) yes. But it's mainly because the bees in the northern hemisphere up in those northern states who have these long, cold, bitter winters anyway, they're already in their cluster. They're already maintaining the balance, maintaining the temperature, and they're set. And when you do that, the less you move and flying is their biggest energy drain is flying. So the Mm -hmm. less they move, the less energy they need to expend, so the less resources they need to take in. If all they have to do is huddle together and shiver, and they don't have any brood to feed, and they're not moving around, and they're absolutely not out flying, their energy consumption is very low, so their food consumption is very low. So as long as they can maintain the internal temperature of the cluster warm enough to keep them from freezing and dying, they're good. And they've already been in that mode for months at this point. So they're good. So when the temperature has already been 30 degrees or 20 degrees, and then this polar vortex rolls through and your temperatures drop down to negative 10, yes, it is super cold. But if you've insulated your hives and they've been maintaining and doing well thus far, they will roll with the punches and they might have to shiver just a little bit more to be able to maintain that temperature threshold. And they can actually, Fahrenheit wise, they can actually survive in the 50 to 60 degree temperature range. It's sluggish for them and they can't do a lot, but it's still warm enough that they don't go comatose or die. And so the colony doesn't have to have this massive increase of heat to survive this massive cold blast. Now, On the flip side, what were your colonies doing the last time you looked inside them down here? Just flying. Well, some of them I even found uh, uh, uncapped uh, cells that are full of uh, liquid. Yeah, but what else are they doing? What else is going on in those cells? Oh, they've been picking up pollen and and such as that out of. Well, I sent you a picture of a of a blue bonnet last earlier this week. And so they're already out hunting pollen and nectar and the, the mistletoes are blooming. So they're on top of them. And, and what, what is that? What does that do though? Inside the colony, I'm trying to lead you to a specific point here. Mm, they're trying to, uh, they're taking care of their stores. They don't want to lose their stores. Mm-hmm. So that's you're missing, thing you're missing a key, missing a key thing. What is Paul encourage? They want to sting my butt. What they want to do, but <laughs> no, <okay>. inside <laughs> the colony. What does pollen encourage? Do what? Inside the colony. What does pollen mm-hmm. encourage? No, it's the brood building. There you so go. Getting, that's yeah. what I was looking for. So down in the Southern States, in the southern part of the United States, 
it's been warm. We've had 80 degree days. No, we We've had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And so our bees mm-hmm. are far more active and they're out there, they're mm-hmm. coming, they're going, they're doing all their stuff. Like you said, they're foraging, they're flying every single day, which is an energy drain, right? Mm-hmm. They're expending mm-hmm. energy to go out there and fly. And if they're flying and not finding things to bring back in, then that is truly a deficit in the energy consumption versus food ratio. So they're going to be consuming more food because they're expending more energy and they're not bringing in food necessarily to replace what they have expended. Now, in addition to all of those things, they have started brooding up. Some colonies based on their genetic lineages may be a very, very small cluster. Other ones may be several frames of brood. It really just depends. Now that right there, that is the key difference and the detrimental aspect to what happens when this polar vortex comes all the way down here. Arby's. Arby's. <laughs> Arby's? <laughs> I want a sandwich. I'm hungry. It's a, yeah. Oh, he's completely off subject, but we used to have, uh, up until here very recently, a very <laughs> old original sign Arby's right there when you come into Austin on 290 um, yeah. over by the Central Market. It was right off the parking yeah. lot of the Central Market in the, the Cavender's yeah. Boots. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's closed. It literally was like overnight. It that Arby's went away. Yeah. And they took down the sign. And that was the first thing that I noticed was the sign was gone. And then I got to looking and like everything was gone. It's just the shell of a building. And it happened overnight. Wow. It was just poof gone. Um, wow. But it was, it was the massive cowboy hat and the sign was like mm-hmm. insanely oh, that, tall. It had been there forever. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It was it was an original yeah. old school version of it. But yeah. So our bees, not our bees, our yeah, bees our down here in the south have been doing all this stuff and have been very active. And this polar vortex rolls through. And what occurs is yes, they do go back in and they group up and they cluster, but there's one key difference that separates them from the bees in the north, and that is brood. Lots of brood, yeah. and yeah. there may or may not be food inside the colony. So well, plenty the bi- of food in ours. That's good because here's the big switch that is currently going on inside our hives right now as we speak, and it's really cold outside. They can't keep it at just fifty to sixty degrees Fahrenheit. They have to keep it at ninety-two to ninety-seven degrees, preferably ninety-four to ninety-five, because they have larvae and because they have brood. Now, Mm -hmm. in addition to that, so that is almost a 30 degrees increase from what they would normally be at if they had no brood. So that's a 30 degree increase, which is a 30 who knows time increase on the amount of energy that they're having to expend vibrating more vigorously to increase that temperature, right? Now, Mm -hmm. in addition to just vibrating to keep the temperature where it is, they also have to feed the brood and feed the larva. So you have now taken an increase in the amount of fuel that you need to run your heater, and you've increased the amount of mouths that need to be fed because the adult bee can get by with a little bit less, but that baby larva, that needs a ton of very nutrient-dense, nutrient-rich food that has to be created by the adult bee, which is, again, another energy consumption aspect of it, and they go into the deficit. 
So you can wind up with a colony going into one of these snaps, especially one that lasts like this one did for multiple days on end mm -hmm. where they have such a huge demand for energy and food that they will burn through multiple frames of capped honey in a matter of days. And then once mm -hmm. they hit the end of that, and I know I'm probably giving everybody nightmares down here in the South, especially like in Texas, once they hit the end of that, now we're going to have to start making some choices. They may have to start cannibalizing some of that brood in order to recoup some of the protein or abandon it and let it freeze and die so that they can keep a smaller section alive. Or worst case scenario, they run out of food. And when they run out of food, they all die. They start slowing down and they can no longer keep the energy that they need going to keep the heat up. Then they start to get cool and the cooler they get, the less they can move. And then all of a sudden you end up with this double-edged sword of what happened first? Did they freeze or starve? Because it's probably a coin toss. So that is one of the reasons why you will hear beekeepers from the South talk about things like this and make such a big deal out of a polar vortex when those of you up north are like, and your point, <laughs> it's already been yeah. cold up here forever. What are y'all complaining about? That's like one of the one of the uh, lines that Max, my son, follows. He says, "Dad, it's going to get cold." I said, "Yeah, all our bees are in good shape." Yeah, he says it. He says there was one guy on this farm, and he's he follows. He says, "This guy says, why are y'all complaining?" My bees have made it through 40 degrees below zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely true. We've got a listener who is up in Alaska and she's part of Hives for Heroes and her bees survive. But the difference is that gradual descent into cold, the steady, long, quote unquote, hibernation in that temperature mm -hmm. And then the gradual increase in temperature and coming out of it. And for us, it's not gradual. It's 80 degrees no. today and tomorrow it's 40. And then for the next yeah. five days, it's only 30 degrees outside. And because yeah. it was up in the 70s and 80s, right up to that point, the bees were out merrily doing all this stuff that they shouldn't have been doing, expending all these extra resources mm -hmm. and energy things and raising all these babies. And then all of a sudden, whammy. You know, it, it just, the whole world flips yep. upside down on them. Well, if we, if we were good beekeepers and took care and made sure we had plenty of stores and everything, they ought to do good. The only two I'm worried about are top bars because they, both of those have small colonies in them and I probably should have put a windbreak on them, but I didn't, I might go do that here in a little bit, but we'll see. It's already happened. So. Nah, yeah, I was going to say, too little, too happened. late on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if uh, oh, yeah. the damage is already done, if it was going to be done, basically. So, and that's kind of how it's just, it's unfortunately, it's just kind of how it is. And everybody has heard me say it, you know, for two years now. February is always the worst for us here in Texas. And if you're going to lose colonies, that's usually when it happens. And your colonies may have done great overwintering, quote unquote, wintering here um, with what we had going on, but then they're just not ready for that. Now, on the flip side of it, and uh, one of the things that, you know, would kind of fall more in the realm of the stuff like Natalie's going to be talking to us about in her segments each month 
is the the natural aspect of it. And there are some kind of fine line details in there where you can say one way or the other, like, so do you just let the colonies go and see what happens? And, you know, the ones that survive are the ones that should have survived. Or do you intervene if and when you can? And even on Les Crowder's aspect of it, he will tell you when it comes to mites, when it comes to diseases, when it comes to a lot of these other things, it is survival of the fittest and kind of a, a Darwinian type approach to natural beekeeping. But when it comes to an aspect of climate change or a massive dearth that comes out of nowhere and suddenly there's no food, do you let your bees die? when really that was just completely out of control or do you go ahead and intervene and feed them? And in those instances, he will feed his bees. The rest of the time though, they're not going to intervene. They would prefer that the bees actually do their own natural thing. And you know, if they're out there foraging and they're finding stuff that makes them think that they need to start brooding up, then so be it. But if they're not, especially if they've got, you know, like that Russian carniolan kind of genetic aspects to them, mm -hmm. they don't get too wound up too quickly. And they may take a little bit later into, you know, very late winter, early spring before they think about brooding up. That's actually better. It's to their overall benefit that they do that. Whereas mm -hmm. it's to the detriment of like an Italian colony that's just like, whoa, and then February, you know, kicks their butt. So... But those are, those are kind of some of the things that, that we just kind of have to deal with. And we had a listener asking some questions from here in Texas, from the, the San Antonio um, kind of area and, you know, wanting to know, well, what should I do? Because they heard us mention in one of the other episodes about, hey, cold is coming. Are you guys ready? And I think we, we posted something on social media and uh, they're like, well, what do I do? What do I do? I've got a colony. I've got two colonies that are very, very weak. Should I combine them? Um, you know, is it too late? And if you rewind a couple of weeks ago to where it was in the seventies and eighties over the weekend, and you had two colonies that were weak, yeah, you could still do kind of a Hail Mary combination and put them together and know that the populations of both of those colonies, plus the food reserves of both of those colonies combined have a much better chance than either of the colonies had they been left to their own devices. So ultimately, one colony survives as opposed to potentially losing two. And, you know, the, the other side of that too, though, is insulating them. You know, if you can, like you said, put up a wind block or put the foam core insulation panel on the colony, on the hive, and help that colony better regulate the internal temperatures, that can sometimes be all that it takes and, and make that turning point of being able to maintain the internal temperature without having to use as much energy to do that and help that colony get through and, and survive on the other side of that as well. So there's a lot of different aspects to it, really. Um, but like you said, here we are. It's Monday. Um, it's been frigid, and we... Uh, colder than heck yeah, yesterday. We're, we're just not out of it yet, and we'll have to see kind of what, what occurs and who survives. That'll be the next thing um, sometime after this week, maybe. I don't really know what next weekend is going to look like yet, but one of these days when it gets warm enough, you know, I'll have to to go back out to the farm and drive around out there and peek and go back to the hotel and, you know, check on all my little cubby holes that have bees and see who is still active, you know, who, who survived that last little oomph and who didn't. Um, 
And then, you know, and, and we'll talk about this maybe on next week's episode, but for those of us down here in the South, if this horrific cold, <laughs> I'm just going to keep making it sound as, as bad as it can. Uh, if this cold is done and it doesn't look like we have anything else coming in the, the next kind of 14 day outlook, well, then we can start considering what is our spring prep going to be and what do we want to do with our colonies? And, and that's kind of how we will move forward from there. But Mother Nature, no matter what, we're all at the whim of Mother Nature. Yep. And the ice walkers will be here for long. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it Freaking is. Game yeah. of Thrones, man. Khaleesi yeah. failed. They killed her. Mm-hmm. The ice walkers mm-hmm. got free, and they're coming down here. Yep. yep. Thanks, Canada. <laughs> Thanks for letting the wall down. All your fault. Oh, well. I want to know from our southern uh, listeners, our you know our friends from uh, you mean Australia way south? and do they call a, 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 a southern cold front? Do they call that a southerner? Or we call our northers northers? Do they call them southers? Or do they just call them cold fronts? I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Brett, tell us. Or whoever who wants to holler to jump, jump in here. We got, yeah, we got plenty of them out there. <laughs> that, uh, I'm sure would be more than happy to to go through and do that. We, I mean... You know, Brett, obviously, uh, being on the show in various forms and fashions over the last year, um, but we've got Rachel and Will, and there's oh, yeah. there's several out there that uh, are very vocal, both uh, on the show and on social media. So I'm sure there'll be plenty that will just be happy to let us know that. They uh, are probably in the full flow. Let's see. Here it is. Are they in early mm, summer now? I, no, they're in late summer. They're coming into fall. They're in late summer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because they're the opposite winter. of us. Yeah, so we're yeah, yeah, yeah. we're coming out of winter when they start getting ready for winter. So it could so be. So they're getting ready to start harvesting. I'm thinking a lot of them have already done it. Some places up yeah. there, they have flow all season. Some of them have a really big flow at the very beginning and one at the very end. Um, you know, it's just like us. It's Australia is huge and it's got all the oh, different yeah. climates. And and so you're going to have all kinds of different aspects as to what's going on. Yep. It's just an Island. It's just an Island. <laughs> just an Island. Can you walk across it? <laughs> no. <laughs> and there's gold laying all over the ground down there. I've seen it on TV. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mr. White Walker, don't believe everything you see on TV. Yeah. <laughs> right? Austin and your yeah. volcanoes and your yeah. Santa Ana winds blowing through the hills. Right, that stupid show. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Santa Ana winds don't happen in Texas, people. That's California. No. Get yeah, your story and, and, straight. And, and, and uh, see, in uh, Florida, they have the what winds there they have in Florida. Uh, yeah, it's Florida. the uh, Seminole What's winds. the name of the river? There's a river there. It's called... I don't know. It's the Seminole winds, I think. Yeah. Seminole winds. That's what they're Seminole winds blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I knew. <laughs> I knew because of the old country song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so we will, uh, we're going to wrap up our episode today with a listener question. And okay. this one comes in from Becca and Becca says, Hey guys, I am so glad that you're back. I've been missing my bees, missing my favorite master beekeeper, my favorite striper guide, and all my favorite behind the scenes folks from my favorite podcast. I've got a couple of questions. First and foremost, fondant. How is making fondant safe for the bees when we shouldn't be boiling sugar in a solution? 
I was about to make some because it's easier on the ladies when uh, than the candy boards, but now I'm not so sure. Okay, so right there, we're, we will stop real quick and say, you are absolutely correct. Uh, making fondant can be done in a couple of different ways. And there's two problems to it. So queen candy is almost the same as fondant. And there are a lot of recipes that actually have you do it the same way. Queen candy is made from powdered sugar and powdered sugar has additional additives and things to it that actually create solid waste for the bees and is not good for them, especially in a winter climate. Now it's okay for queen candy because it is a small plug and just a few of the worker bees and nurse bees are really eating at it and and trying to get rid of it. The queen doesn't really partake in it so much as the actual workers do. And then the workers will convert that over into a royal jelly food that they can feed the queen. Now, it's also summertime when you do that. And it's warm and the bees can leave the hive and relieve themselves. In the wintertime, they can't do that. And if you feed them something that has a lot of solid mass to it that can't be digested easily, you can give them the bees version of dysentery. And Mm -hmm. if there is any disease going on, When that happens and they start having diarrhea all over the inside of the colony, well, then the other bees come through, the housekeeping bees come through and try to clean all that up, and it spreads that disease throughout the colony. So that's a bad thing right there. So number one, don't use anything that has powdered sugar for a winter-type food source. Number two, yes, you are absolutely correct. And this is one of the things that always befuddled me when it came to beekeeping. You learn right off the bat when you first get your bees, this is how you make sugar syrup. And then in huge letters, never boil the sugar in the water. It creates a chemical chain reaction that is called hydroxymethylferferol, HMF, and it is toxic to insects and toxic to your bees. And it can be one of the reasons why they have weaker immune systems, shorter lifespans, and just in general, other digestive issues. So you hear that and you're like, oh, okay. And you spend the whole year you know, heating up your water separately and then taking it off the heat and mixing in your sugar to dissolve it or just using hot water straight out of the tap if you're doing a one-to-one. And then all of a sudden winter comes around and there's all these recipes out there that are like, take your sugar and basically, you know, dump it in lava and and just burn the hell out of it. No. (laughs) So it does want you to get that sugar up into the 200 degree range or higher like you're making candy to make like a sugar board or to make like a fondant. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely not good for your bees. Now there are recipes out there where it is a non cook method and it uses oil or well, uh, lemon juice, like acid from lemon juice. And you basically start off by making a two to one sugar syrup. And then once you've got your syrup made the way that you normally would to feed your bees Then you turn around and you take that syrup and you start mixing it with sugar and you add in a few of these, like the, the lemon, uh, I keep wanting to say oil, but it's a lemon juice, um, mix in that maybe a little bit of apple cider vinegar and kind of mix it up. And what that does is it starts a process that is very similar to the same process that creates, creates the HMF, but it breaks down the sucrose into dextrose and fructose so that it's easier consumable by the bees. You take that and you mix it together and then you can set it out and it does make a candy board. It will eventually kind of solidify and harden and you want to make it into containers that are shaped appropriately for your hive setup. If you have an internal feeder 
that will allow the bees to get into the center of, center of it. If you remove things like the Cirrusil, you can pop out the center and pop out the corners and the bees can get in there. Then you can make it inside that. If you have one of the complete shims that goes all the way around the wooden frame that kind of raises, uh, gives a little bit more depth above the inner cover and below the lid, then you can put it in there. But you don't want to make a big block and stick it on there and then try to put your inner cover on or your lid on and they don't fit because now you've created gaps that are going to release all the heat from your colony as well. So that's very important. Keep in mind when you're making this, you know, the shape, the height, the depth, the width that you're going to need to fit inside your specific scenario. Now, the easiest thing to do is the sugar mound or sugar camp method. And again, I mentioned, you know, our listener up in Australia, she, or up in Australia, we were just talking about Australia. Damn it. And you're down. down, on this um, down. Our listener up in Alaska <clears throat> They use the sugar camp method up there very, very, very well. It's very effective for them. And it's better when you start off at the very beginning of the year to do that because the sugar is literally just granulated sugar that you mound in there. Now, if you can find fine ground sugar or what is the other one? Is it confectioners? No. Yeah. It's not well, confectionery. No, no, no. That would Because it doesn't, it doesn't have the corn powder in it, right? Um, yeah. There is a specific name for it, and I can't think of it at the moment, but it is super finely ground sugar crystals. It doesn't have any other additive. Bacon sugar. Kind of, yeah. It doesn't have any other additives to it, but it is super fine ground. That's even better because the smaller, the finer the crystal, the easier it is for the bees to actually go through and consume it because they don't chew it, they lick it. And as they're licking it, they are picking up the sugar from that. So you can take this granulated sugar and you can just mound it. You know, you can put newspaper down, or you can put it on the inner cover itself. You mound it up and then mist it with a little bit of water so that it has a little bit of moisture to it. And then you seal everything up. If you put it into the colony towards the beginning of winter, then all of the moisture from the colony will actually go up and kind of be absorbed into the sugar and it will start to harden, but it will also give it that ability for the bees to come up and lick at it. So those are the two primary things that I would suggest that don't involve cooking that can actually create a, an emergency food source for your bees without creating the HMF that would then be toxic to the bees. And at the same token, it is not a liquid. So therefore it is not stimulating brood production and brood growth unnecessarily. It's just an emergency food supply that the bees can need. Now the downside to it though, is if you put it in there and it gets so bitterly cold that the bees cannot move then even though it's right there, they're not going to be able to get to it to partake on it to be able to then get the sugar needed to continue, you know, burning those energy reserves and, and vibrating. But the same is true for honey. There could be a solid frame of capped honey just one frame away from them, but if it is so cold that they can't break that cluster and move, it doesn't matter. And you can have colonies starve and die with full capped food stores right beside them because it was so cold that they couldn't actually get to it to partake from it. So that can occur. But thank you so much, Becca, for, uh, for reaching in with that question there. Also, she wants to know if there's any possibility of us doing an episode on apotherapy. Uh, she said that she's fascinated and the research is so exciting and she thinks that it would also be a ton, a ton of woo-woo out there. Oh, I got it. But I know there's a ton of woo-woo out there. Helps if you read the whole sentence. Um, so yes, we that is absolutely something that we can put in for this year is to go through and have an episode on apotherapy and the different uses of it. 
that was one of the most fascinating classes that I went to. There was one convention that I had went to, I want to say it was a couple of years ago now, and I found myself very bored. I went to all the different classes, listened to all the lectures. I had my notebook and I, I didn't hardly take any notes whatsoever. And then I went to this one apotherapy class and I filled up page after page after page of notes because it was so fascinating and it was so unique in the way that they were presenting it. And it was, uh, it was, it was very, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to get some of that knowledge in there. So yes, we will absolutely work towards having an apotherapy episode. Thank you for the suggestion so very much. Um, Mr. Ken, is there uh, mm -hmm. any other little things that you want to throw in there before we wrap this bad boy up? You know, not really. I think if everything's good, uh, but, uh, Max has got his little nuke over there. He's worried to death about it. He's got a five frame nuke. He has insulated it with, uh, insulation. And the other day he said, I'm going to open it up. No, you're not. You got to leave them alone and let them, they got to keep it warm in there. So he says, okay, well, do I need to put insulation on the bottom board? I says, I don't know. Ask John. Did he ask you? Uh, no, he did not ask me. Well, do we need to, do I need, well, it's too late now, but, uh, <laughs> should we have insulated with our listeners that are listening? Should we have insulated the bottom board? I do sometimes. Um, on a, on a hive that's actually setting down on a solid surface, it's not as big of a deal, but mm -hmm. for like the top bars where the air can go all the way around them, I insulate mm -hmm. the sides, the bottom and on top of the bars. So oh my. on a Langstroth though, if it's just sitting, like if I have it sitting on double pallets, mm, maybe, I mean, it really sitting just on depends. Cinder blocks. Yeah. If it's on cinder blocks, probably not. And then we got, uh, and then on, I've got four nukes. I don't, don't have anything in them yet, but they're all made out of top bar nukes that are made out of two inch material. Got a long lane that's made out of two inch material, bottom top, everything got, uh, top bars that are made out of two inch material. So I'm looking forward to, uh, playing with those, uh, this next year. And we can talk about that too. So. That's where I'm at right now. Everything's Along with your two packages that you ordered that you didn't order that you ordered. <laughs> yeah, the two packages uh, of the nicest bees grown. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> we we did have uh, one of our listeners, James, um, send in a message. Says, love the fact that the third season opens with Ken confessing that he's brought that he's gone ahead and bought a package of bees. And then a second package. <laughs> <laughs> well, lost so many last year. I decided, well, I'm not going to do it this year. I'm going to grow the hell out of them. Well, best of luck to you, sir. Going to put pollen patties in there and feed the hell out of them and see what happens. Oh, yeah. That's the other part of his comment down here, too. He says uh, there's like two crying sideways laughing faces. And then it says... And doesn't he know by now that you're not a fan of pollen patties because of hive beetles? Oh, well, well I know that, but <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, we're planting, uh, all, we ought to see all of the seeds, uh, out where we have our bees over at Mike's there. He's been clearing out brush and we've been going in behind him, putting uh, wildflower seeds out. Uh, so mm, no telling what we'll have. If it starts raining, it's got to start raining one of these days. 
True. Fingers crossed. Yep. We did lose one colony. Uh, one of the 10 bars that I got off of Pam, we lost, uh, the other one of it and on it, that was, that was prior to the cold snap. Just FYI. Oh, yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't do the cold snap. No, that was prior. Uh, but, uh, we'll talk about that on another episode. Yeah. Sounds good. Yep. Well, in that case, then, uh, let's go ahead and, and call her good for the week. And uh, for everybody out there on Patreon, we will talk to you on Thursday. And for everybody else, we'll see you right back here on your favorite podcast app, whatever that may be, for another main segment of the Hive Jive. Until then, everybody be good. Y'all be safe. Stay warm. Keep the rubber side down and the shiny side up. How do you do that on ice? You don't. It's upside do you- down. It's up. You're upside down. Yeah. So, uh, well, no, don't keep the rubber side down and the shiny side up and y'all stay safe, healthy and warm. Put another extra, put extra quilt on the bed, extra two or three logs on the fire. And we'll talk to you next week or whenever we do again. (laughs) Dude, you have the longest goodbyes. You could make that like two words. And instead, it's a paragraph. Y'all be good. Be, y'all be safe. Be healthy. And hey, no, that's too long. Bye. <laughs> the show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves. <laughs>